0: Check me out! I'm Robin, the boy Wonder! Are you kidding me? This rocks! Come on, old man. We've got bad guys in need chasing. This is the best day of my life. You think you did? You don't know him like
1: I do. He manipulates, pulls strings, anything to get what he wants. I thought we had the same goals. Things change. I changed. The game's over, Batman. I quit.
0: What's the matter? Lost for words, I expected more. I'm hurt. Joker sent me the film. I saw him kill you. Don't you dare lie to me! How long did you wait before replacing me, huh? A month? A week? I trusted you, and you just left me to die! That's not what happened. You always told me, Bruce. Focus on what I want to achieve, and it'll happen. We aced him! I set him up, you take him out. One, two, huh, Batman? Ugh. You'll be fine. Of course I will. You train me.
1: I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. The Batman Universe Specials proudly presents Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. A monthly podcast dedicated to the weekly DC Comics series Batman and Robin Eternal taking a look and celebrating at the 75-year history of the Robin character. And now, please welcome Rob, Terrence, and Luke for the Batman Universe Specials, Batman and Robin Eternal. What's your name?
0: Carrie. Carrie Kelly. Robin. Don't look so stunned, Father. I thought you'd be taller. This was yours?
2: Still is. Keep your hands off it, kid.
0: Is this what you wore in training?
2: It's what I wore when I went on patrol.
0: The only thing it's missing is lace trim and a sun hat.
2: You don't fool me. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking you could be Robin. Well, you can't.
0: I don't need some insipid costume and a bird name. I'm way beyond your kind of simplistic training, as you saw tonight.
1: Don't forget. You lost that fight. Hello everyone, welcome to the BatmanUniverse.net specials edition. This is the special edition of the Batman and Robin Eternal podcast. And if I have our numbers correct, I believe this should be episode three. Am I correct in saying that? should be three. Yes, mm-hmm. it is episode three. Uh, we are a trio tonight. I guess uh, three is a, a nice number to work with. We have Ian joining us again. How's it going, Ian? It's going well. How are you? Excellent, and uh, Luke is back with us tonight. How are you doing tonight, sir?
3: Good, and happy holidays to you both.
1: Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, Terrence is not with us tonight as he uh, has kind of started some of his uh, Christmas preparations early and uh, he is not able to be with us tonight. So I'm giving you a salute, uh, Terrence. You could sit back and enjoy as a listener, but I expect a full detailed note list as we go through. Um, he has been reading these and he said uh, he uh, will listen as a fan tonight and we'll have plenty to chime with when we uh, come back next month. Uh, tonight we are taking a look obviously at Batman and Robin Eternal, but we are doing four books tonight. We're doing issues seven, eight, nine, and 10 tonight. Um, I, have been liking the way the story's been going so far. We'll kind of go around the room air quotes here. Uh, Luke, what have you thought with, uh, uh, the story from where we've been to where we're currently ending in 10 so far?
3: I thought it's been very solid. I mean, I've been enjoying it. Even the down issues uh, still had a positive flavor to it. I know we talked a couple of times last episode, but it's been good. And I actually try to compare, you know, you know where we are at issue 1 to issue 10 now versus where we were, you know, issue 1 through 10 on Eternal, you know, last year. If you kind of look at the scale, you know, 1 through fifty two issues, was it?
1: Yeah.
3: Versus one through 26, this is actually keeping a good pace and it feels like the story is really going in a really good direction. I really don't see like a, a part, like in a, a lull point anymore, an eternal hit. So it's going really good, I think.
1: Uh, Ian, what do you have to say, sir?
2: Well, these last this last month has been kind of a you for me. Like I thought Genevieve Valentine hit the ground really, really really hard like her first issue was fantastic but then her second issue just felt kind of paint by numbers and the first issue of colin kelly and uh, jackson lansing was also sort of paint by numbers just having hero villain meet up and fight and then the second issue where they uh where where they wrap up their arc was a lot stronger so it's been like up down down up
1: yeah i thought 10 was was really strong um after kind of coming, I I really did like nine, um, eight. I read twice. <laughs> I read it shortly before we uh, recorded tonight. I, I don't know if I blanked it out of my mind. If if maybe that's just saying a lot more about uh, what the issue it, itself. Uh, held. I think we'll get to that there, but um, I agree with what you were saying, Luke, that I, I feel like the story is moving at a better clip overall in comparedness to uh, Batman Eternal. Granted, that was 52 issues, this is 26, but I still think um, even the slower issues up to this point, I think, are still, still telling a better plot-threaded story than what we were getting in Eternal. I felt like they were triple spooning, triple spoon-feeding us in Batman Eternal on this one, I feel like we know it's about Mother. We know uh, that there are uh, Robins in the mix that she may have her hand in. Some of them, all of them. Uh, How much does Bruce know? I felt like at this point in in Eternal, it was just like, well, hey, here's this villain. Here's this. Here's that. And Mm -hmm. it was really hard to tell somebody this is what Eternal is about. So I, I like that with Batman and Robin Eternal, you could tell somebody brand new the overall gist of the story up to this point i think they would get it
3: yeah and it's good too like I me, mean, i love eternal but my if i kind of give it some criticism it might not might seem like i don't i didn't really enjoy it but i really did but it whereas this one uh we really have basically two plots going on but they're they're intertwined you know mm-hmm. you got dick and and cassandra and uh, harper they're away then you got tim and uh jason their way two plus, but they they really do kind of converge. Yeah. Whereas the other ones, you know, you had in Eternal, you had, you had the whole thing with you know, who killed Gordon, and then you got the thing with the Arkham Asylum, and were not really loosely tied together. So, but that's why I think it's really going well in this issue, kind of keeping streamlined.
1: Yeah, I I also really like Eternal. That was that was what my favorite book of the year. Um, I think we've probably been on more of the downside of eternal but i i still think overall uh, that story last year was was still really good at the end of the day um if you guys want we can hop right in to batman and robin eternal uh Hopefully this goes without saying. Uh, we are going to spoil this. This won't be a page-by-page page synopsis. It's going to be our overall uh, feelings and thoughts of the issues. So hopefully by this point you have read issues 7 through 10 and are caught up with us. And this will be uh, the last uh, podcast for us for 2015, and then we will see you guys in January. But we'll get to that point when we get there. Uh, so kicking right off uh, in 7, we are in... Uh, with Batman and Robin if I'm saying that correctly (laughs) now that there's uh, a month worth of uh, of books here and I'm really really digging uh, the Batman and Robin stuff in this book I don't know if it's just because Bruce Wayne Batman hasn't been around uh, for a while so I'm just eating up all the frames with Batman in here Um, I like uh, finding out more about Dick Grayson's character in the New 52 uh, being Robin that was something that I, I really felt was kind of missed. I wish uh, more in the new 52 we got a better look at people like who they were in the new 52 company, but before the new 52. Um, what do you guys think so far of the, the Batman and Robin story uh, that's being intertwined in uh, uh, the series so far? Uh, Luke.
3: I mean, it's good words. You really do. You're keeping them Robin centric. But just enough to keep you know the batman park i mean you cannot have batman and robin separate so i mean we're doing this event where as i said where you look at the current story there really is no bruce this is the this how you get bruce in it into the story and it it doesn't feel like cheap or you know kind of just like a waste it does have a you know, legitimate purpose into it so i like how they did the flashbacks with with bruce in there you for the people who want your Bruce Batman, that's how you're getting your fix right now, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, Ian?
2: Well, I think that um, it's really nice to to structure it this way so that you can, as uh, Luke said, get Bruce in there. I hope we get some some of the flashbacks from Dick's perspective because um, I know we're getting a ton of Dick's perspective in the present with him and Harper, but... um, I mean, he's doing his first superhero, supervillain confrontation against Scarecrow, and we're, we're not really seeing him do that. He, I mean, Bruce just comes in and sees Brooke beaten up. I would have liked to see him fight, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, Jumping here just a little bit into um, uh, one of the cool things I liked that was more, I don't know if it's more a tip to No Man's Land a little bit, where Bruce has all these satellite you know, bat caves throughout Gotham City mm. and to see that he not only has, you know, satellite bat caves in Gotham City, but he's got satellite bat caves uh, all over the world and uh, in the next page after uh, the Batman and Robin fight, we see a very <laughs> odd-looking bat cave that's uh, full of skulls <laughs> and everything like that. Uh, I don't think Alfred would have uh, <laughs> loved cleaning this bat cave. It just it it doesn't fit Batman but at the same time I think it, it kind of uh, works too um, what do you guys think about the uh, trio of uh, Grayson, Harper and Bluebird or Bluebird, <laughs> Cassandra in this I really
2: like all three characters individually um, jumping ahead to issue 9 or do you want me to wait on that
1: no, let's, we'll just kind of take all of these issues, kind of like as they as they, whatever pops in your head, we'll we'll do it this okay. way. Okay.
2: So jumping ahead to issue nine, Tinian story arcs, like he's the showrunner for this, and he he tends to have a writing tendency where, in order to build up one character, he feels like he has to put other characters down, and I felt like Harper's. Um, dialogue with dick in issue nine was really kind of an example of that where she's like i am just as orphaned as dick and i'm just as angry as jason i'm just as smart and gadgety as tim and i'm just like harper's harper is those things but you don't have to make her better than the existing characters you can just make her her own character and i felt like they did a much better job in issue 10 showing her. Like, her that montage of her and Dick working together was awesome. I mean, it was mm-hmm. funny, it was smooth, it was James Bond. But in issue 9, it was just, it was very awkward, and it felt like they were really just not sure how to build Harper's character without putting down the other characters. And we saw that in Batman Eternal, issue 51, mm-hmm. where Harper was like, oh, I have to stay and help people, and Stephanie Brown was like, no, I have to run, when in the past... Uh, you know previous continuity stephanie brown would never have run from anything so it was just like it felt out of character just a a minor note but on the whole like genevieve valentine writing harper and cass at the ballet was fantastic
1: but that was one of my favorite sequences uh out of this uh particular issue it it is the this issue in seven correct when they're in the ballet yeah 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 um i thought that was great um the the two work really well together i'm as i'm reading this uh, i find myself going oh i want a book with those two people and i want a book with those two people Uh, i want a solo book by this person um i don't know if that's a testament to the the storytelling that they're doing um i i do want to piggyback to what you said about harper i i don't like that they did it a little bit in eternal two where um it's almost like i almost feel like that at some point, DC or the writers are going. You know what? We're going to get rid of all the Robin, all the Robins, and here is Harper Row. She has the best traits of all of them. I agree with exactly what you said. I don't, I don't want you to have to do the nudge to the readers and go. You know, she's just as good as Dick, and she's just as good as Jason. Uh, that doesn't. Uh, we already have all those characters that are already all those people. That's not building the. A character for Harper Rowe, and I think that's the biggest disservice to Harper Rowe so far, is if you're only going to use her for annuals and big story points, she's only ever going to grow once every year. And it's going to take a real long time for somebody if, to, to build any type of character with her. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that just means anybody else have that impression of Harper? No, no I'm going to tell
3: right? you, she did that I mean, eternal. I mean, I know from your perspective. I don't know if you got real frustrated with it, but I think that's how she got the cred she got by making Tim just look like a putz a lot of ways. And if anyone else, I don't think Tim would have did the way he did the stuff he did or reacted the way he just, it really, they gave cred to Harper by downplaying Tim, I thought, a lot in the first round of Eternal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's so funny hearing that Tinian is, or Tinian is a, a huge fan to Tim Drake. It's like it, you're, if you're a big fan of Tim Drake then why are you making Tim play second fill to a character that's only been created a year? Mm. Alright, so were you going to say something Ian? Well, I mean,
2: I I, I don't know. I think it's just Tynan's writing style because I've seen him do this with, with all the characters he's handled is just this, I mean, writers are taught to, to have conflict, to have drama and I think that he's he's following that, that advice a bit too too strongly. I think drama can be found in characters working together as well as in conflict. So I think that um, there, there's just, I mean, he's a newer writer. He came in as Scott Snyder's student, and I think he's still working out uh, the kinks of, yeah. of how to develop a, a larger cast. Like, I love that he loves these characters. I love that he brought in Stephanie Brown last year with Eternal. I love that he's creating Harper Rowe with both of this Eternal stuff. I love that he's bringing Cassandra Kane and I love that he brought in all the Robins. Like, I, I actually think that Tim got some really great scenes with Harper, like when Harper snuck aboard uh, his plane in the first Eternal, and he made her sit in a stress <laughs> position because yeah, she uh, like, I love that interchange. <laughs> um, but there were some times later in Eternal where Harper was just like, I'm the sidekick now. And I'm like, but Tim should get a bit more respect, and Stephanie especially. I mean, that's, of course, you know, my... Right. entry point of the Batman universe but I do like that Cassandra and Harper seem to have a, a, a mutually affirming relationship and there doesn't seem to be hostility there and that's that's been good
1: uh, how I don't know if cool was the right word uh, to describe this but seeing uh, Harper in Dick's tuxedo, I'm assuming. Mm. And then later seeing Cassandra in a dress and they both look like they're wearing the most uncomfortable thing that they could possibly wear. And I think that's a testament to, uh, who's the penciler on this one? Um, uh, Martinez. I, I thought he did a really good job of conveying that where she looks happy. Uh, Harper looks happy in you know, Dick's tuxedo and she's wearing the, uh, you know, Chuck Taylors and then seeing, uh, cassandra later on at the ballet in her dress and she looks happy but at the same time it's you can kind of tell both of them are and not in the clothes that they should be and i thought it was an odd choice for dick to be like i want you guys to go incognito and i want you to be at the ballet and kind of see what's happening and you send the most uh, send the person least likely to blend in with uh, harper's uh, blue spiked hair and shaved side of the head but it it, it it was written and drawn uh, so well. I I just I found myself uh, eating those scenes up with them at the the ballet. The art in issue seven
2: was gorgeous. Like the the two page splash where you've got Cassandra and Harper watching the ballet, and it's like this beautiful mirror image of you can see the sequence of events and you see the hand gestures that each of them are making to each other. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever read. Um, J.H. Williams' Batwoman with Greg Rucka and then uh, Hayden Blackman. Yeah. This kind of storytelling is what – I mean, J.H. Williams is a master. His his complex panel structures and his the way he does nonlinear but still very followable narratives on a page, this is that kind of thing. That's, it's that level of just really thoughtful and beautiful and innovative, and it's just an amazing panel.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, you're talking the, the the very center panel uh, yeah. with them both looking on either sides, and you're seeing the ballet play out in between.
2: Yeah, in issue
1: yeah. seven. Yeah, that beautiful. I I just kind of found myself uh, just kind of getting lost in that, just kind of looking for every little you know nuance there, and uh, you're there, seeing. I think for those who might not have read
3: that JH Williams run, if those who are reading Grayson. You see that from Mikkel Jennon a lot, so
2: that's yeah. I think that's a good comparison. Yeah, Jennen's also a great artist. Yeah.
1: And I think that's that's a cool thing too, that you're 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 getting that with the the Dick Grayson stuff. You're getting that with the the art in here. It kind of feels like this this is a direct, you know. A book coming out of Grayson. So you feel like when you're reading the pages with Dick Grayson and it you kind of feel like you're you're in a Grayson book. When you're getting the Red Robin Red Hood team, you're kind of getting a, a little mix of Teen Titans and uh Red Hood and the Outlaws a little bit. I like how the book kinda services whoever those characters are and even the characters like Harper and cassandra it it feels like it's their own book too that's something i didn't necessarily uh get out of the uh, batman eternal the first time around um I, I just i like the way this has been structured so far that i feel like each issue of it's dealing with whoever the main characters are in that book i kind of feel like it's their book um is that coming across to you guys or is that just me <laughs> wishing and dreaming a little bit
3: but, oh yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah. yeah, the only the only one it's a sharp contrast is issue ten the way Jason and Tim felt like they flip flopped. But I mean, what you said though, it's still good. Yeah, each it's they're very reminiscent their own titles. Yeah, that's a good good point.
2: Yeah, I think that each two issue arc is really since they split up in issue um six, which was tie sort of. Send us a New Direction issue. Valentine handled the the Dick, Harper, and Cass thing and just sort of kept Jason and Tim moving along like one or two pages an issue. And then they flipped with Jason and Tim taking all the stuff and then Dick and Harper having one or two pages. I didn't think it worked that well in Nine. I mean, as you can tell, I wasn't that impressed with Nine. but ten I think they got that bounce really with that amazing montage with Dick and Harper. Even though it's just two, three pages, it really got their personalities through and it was fun. And and yet you also had this very emotional fight scene with Tim, Jason, Bain, and Azrael just really some really psychedelic stuff going on in that
1: too. Oh yeah. And the uh I love the partnership of Tim and Jason in this in this book. Um and that is something, pre-continuity, those two were trying to kill each other uh, before. So it's – it's. I feel like this is really like the, the big brother. I used to think of that as Dick and Tim as the big brother, little brother. Uh, I'm getting that out of Jason and Tim now that uh, – uh, there's this banter going back and forth between the two and the little ribs back and forth that each other is giving, but there's that uh, mutual respect that I don't think we've seen that before um, out of these two uh, characters. And I, I think that's uh, that's something cool is to see uh, two brothers working side by side and knowing that the oldest brother has really pissed off uh, Tim. And Jason's just playing the, uh, yeah, I understand you're upset, dude. I, I get it. I'd be upset. And it's just really trying to let tim vent where he needs to vent and uh, at the same time uh, tim snapping his fingers like okay jason we just can't go walking into a bar and start <laughs> beating the tar out of people you know there's ways we have to do things and i think that was illustrated really well in uh, 10 between the two of them
2: i'm going to be really interested to see what happens when damien shows up because you know after robin Moore he's scheduled to come in and his interaction with i mean I love the way Dick interacted with everyone in Grayson number, I think it was 12 or 13. And yeah. he saw all the people for the first time after he quote unquote died. Um, and Damien loves Dick. And that was really awesome. Although Robin or sort of changing that dynamic, I think. Yeah. But I'm really curious to see how Damien interacts with Harper and with hopefully Stephanie. Cause I know she's going to be back for the finale and uh, Tim and Jason, especially because he views, them as as really inferior, because he never grew to respect them. So I'm hoping that this eternal series gives him more respect for them,
1: yeah, definitely. I think the one he's uh, continuously had the least amount of respect for is Tim, uh, yeah. which that always makes me chuckle, but i I am curious to see where Damien is going to slip. And I kind of was thinking that as I was going through the last couple uh, of issues of like, you know who who would Damien be palling around with uh, during all of this? I could I could see him reluctantly working with Tim, but I think he'd be better suited to work. Uh, obviously, probably with Dick, but I would kind of like to see a Jason uh, Tim. Or you Tim, would pairing. think he
3: would actually be a perfect pairing with it. Would be communication would be kind of weird, but him and Cass would actually be
2: actually yeah yeah i've wanted to see a Cass and damien i mean did you guys read gates of gotham back just before the yes the mm-hmm. yeah damien and Cass, like i think damien could learn so much from Cass because they had very similar upbringings but she she always had an understanding of human life whereas he had to grow into that so i think that would be a really good relationship
1: oh yeah i completely forgot about that i love gates of gotham i had even forgotten that uh, they were there together and I think Damien would work really well, like you said, and <coughs> probably be almost like a no-speaking mm-hmm. book between the two, probably given the way that Damien was trained and obviously the way Cassandra was trained. It would be all in uh, hand signals and gestures and a lot of, t- you know, from, <laughs> from, from, <laughs> from Damien. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite things to uh, read about Damien, his just little... I just... I come to this picture, I'm just going, you ass, <laughs> you know, I, Um mother uh the growing ever growing presence of mother um i are there two mothers this is a question i've wanted to ask uh in the ballet uh mother is there kind of with her uh her children i guess we'll call them but mm-hmm. in another uh panel she's talking to dick so I- am i misreading that or is that somebody else
3: yeah, yeah i think it was just kind of like a. I don't know if it was a coach or whoever. No, I think that's the 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 manager
1: of the ballet.
3: She's
2: like the teacher and manager, and she's sort of the real mentor for the main agent of Mother, which is the prima ballerina. And so she... I think it's really interesting. Like, there's a preview for issue 11 where we see the sculptor, who's the person who does the physical, and I think possibly the mental molding of mother's agents and she according to the preview is working against mother too because she doesn't like that mother's murdering all her agents to clean house and so i think it's really interesting that you see so many people working against mother from within her own organization because they've grown to love the children they've created which is a good parallel to batman and his robins
1: yeah uh
3: if I yeah, if I had to criticize anything with the mother character, I think there there's got to be something more to this. You know, I mean, it's other than her just being a human trafficker of you know, I mean, I th- I think there's got to be a little bit more to it.
1: Do you think there's somebody above Mother? That's what I'm. I'm almost leaning toward that way. Well, they promised they weren't going to do the whole Batman Eternal. Who's really in charge? Gabe? <laughs> <laughs> I I. I I know they've promised it, but it just—it just feels like there's something else. Unless that's just a, a sign of, you know, not playing all your cards on the table right away, and we're just slowly peeling back the uh, onion peels of mother, as it were. But I, I just don't see the mother character being able to organize and maintain all of this, and especially being uh, coming out of oh, I said episode ten, issue ten. I really started to think mother's not the head of all of this.
2: Well, I think it's really clear that we have no idea what her end game is. Like she's currently wrapping up one phase of her plan, but we don't know what she's planning next. And she talks about in number six, about how everyone's going according to her plan. What is her? I think that's going to be the central mystery, not like who's above her.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, is you guys have anything for issue seven before we no, – you, uh,
3: you hit on the, the – uh, my favorite part was that thing, the interaction between Jason and Tim. I just loved it. Um and Jason was just prodding him all, all along. That was good.
1: Uh, I like the scene where they're in the bar. And isn't yeah. there a line about Tim not being old enough to drink again? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even supposed to be in here. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and he's clearly drinking a soda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I was remembering that from because that was an issue one where Jason was like, "I want to go get a beer," and Tim's like, "I'm 16, you know, <laughs> clearly I can't go get a beer." Mm-hmm. But I would feel that Tim would be, of all the Robins that could go out and handle themselves at a bar, I feel like Tim would be the one to just be the DD for everybody. Uh, <laughs> Damien would drink everybody under the table. Jason can't hold his own liquor. And uh, Tim would be or Tim uh, Dick would be in the corner playing pool, and uh, Tim's gonna be the one taking everybody home and going, I really hate my responsibility. <laughs> That's so, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you guys uh, think about moving into uh, issue eight? Let's do it. Um, this is the one I read twice. Um, I-, I don't know if I was lost lost in this one at all. Um, it was my least favorite of the four that I read this month, I think more so because I was just confused between the – like you said, Ian, the teacher, the mentor of the Prima Ballerina and then Mother. I felt like I was in a, a time travel here, uh, almost like a space travel until you know I started going, OK, I think this is somebody else. I just wouldn't have drawn two people that look exactly the same um, out of this. Uh, but the fight sequence in here between uh, Dick, Harper, and uh, Cassandra I thought was really cool. Um, and I'm noticing subtle uh, changes in Harper's uh, mask depending on uh, who's drawing it. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts of uh, Issue 8? Uh, Luke?
0: I thought
3: Issue 8 was okay. Um, uh, yeah, definitely Genevieve Valentine. Maybe kind of went a little bit of a step down a little, little bit. I thought the art was good. Uh, overall, wasn't bad. The only thing that kind of just got me... I was a little confused on is just toward the very end when you know, Harper touched uh, Cass's hair and she just snapped. So I don't know. Am I missing something where she just doesn't like her hair touched or is this something that's going to reach back into the story? I don't know. It just felt well, kind see- of really odd.
2: You see Cass's face and then next to it there's three jagged boxes with someone's throat being slashed. And I th- if I had to guess, based on Cass's previous history, Cass is killed one time in her entire life as a very young child. And I think that is going to be her first kill. And Harper touching her hair is um, a flashback to that. And so she's just incredibly guilty and freaked out by that memory.
1: I had that thought, but another thought that I had seeing that is I wonder if she was being – like that was her hair being pulled and somebody's holding a knife to her. Then I see that third panel. Um, I, I guess that could go with what you're saying. Maybe it was somebody was threatening to hurt and kill her. Then she snaps, kills that person. So I, I wonder – if that is her hair getting pulled and then she's doing the killing like you said so well, that might would, also make sense but she's clearly not dead so no yeah yeah but so uh, i think that may give more credence to her getting her hair touched is that act of getting her hair pulled than like you said having to kill somebody so that would be that'd be cool if they kept that in uh, cassandra's continuity
2: as an overall reaction to this issue though i think the biggest problem is it's just one big fight scene and there's a couple character beats, but there's no real character depth or change. And, and that just wasn't interesting to me to see them, to see them promise a fight. And then the whole next issue is the fight. And it's, it's a decent fight. It's not a bad fight at all. It's just, I prefer a bit more talky talky in my comics.
1: Yeah. Uh, I do like a little punchy punchy run run every now and then, uh, so I, I didn't mind it, but I I felt there were there were like you said there were there were a little too many gaps. We got fight fight fight, and then a little bit of dialogue. Fight fight fight, a little bit of dialogue. I I could have could have had a little bit more dialogue in this. Yeah, uh, Luke.
3: I mean I, it really wasn't a really impactful cliffhanger at the end, but I loved that that page at the very end, Jason and. Uh, and Tim are going up against that guy, the the weapon or the technology smuggler thing. He's having that fear gas uh, attack, where he basically like a demonized face of Jason and uh, and Tim. I mean, as far as like the impact, nothing much, but really nice to look at.
1: And I like that they're they're in a church, and yeah. uh, the guy calls out the angel. You know that had me going, oh, Azrael. Azrael, where are you oh, yeah. um i, I want to talk to talk about Azrael when we get to uh his uh, uh appearance uh something i wanted to ask here um if this has bothered anybody else uh in the beginning of the series maybe i even said this last episode uh but uh jason was sporting his new costume and in this we went right back to his uh, leather jacket and uh double or his triple bladed uh, gloves Uh, do you think this is just a a fault on the artist like oh here's the character sketch or draw any version of Jason that you want to did did that bother anybody at all Um, I've been more
2: bothered by the mask going from (laughs) no mouth to a mouth to (laughs) no mouth to a mouth
1: yeah yeah, I'm kind of there Luke you're the resident uh, Red Hood fan uh, how does a Red Hood fare for you in this series?
3: Uh, I, I'm kind of indifferent to it. The only, it's only because I know I do not like the brown life preserver, but it's just the status quo for him right now, so I uh, just kind of whatever. <laughs> but I will say the mask, so I think what issue was it? It, it? Was it nine? It looked like he was wearing literally, yeah, whole, I think it was issue number nine. That was my complaint about the mask.
1: Nine. You know, on the cover of 9, I know we're not in 9 yet, uh, there's no mouth on it. And I, I, I like that version of it where it looks like it's...
3: That's what it's supposed to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like that way better. <laughs> um, in the first Red Hood and the Outlaws, I didn't mind a little bit of a, a mouth on it. I've got an action figure and they've got the, the mouth <laughs> on him. So I know that's an easy way to show a little bit of expression, so I guess I don't mind that, but I'm not a fan of it making it look like he snuck into Tony Stark's laboratory <laughs> and stole one of the Iron Man helmets. Do you, I, I don't like that version. Uh, like, yeah.
3: do, you re- do you remember, I think it was issue number 9 in Batman Eternal, the first one, with Ian Virgil. He did that issue where they were down in Brazil and he actually had a Red Hood scene where he's actually smiling with the mask on, Yeah, I about
2: lost my lid. (laughs) That whole issue was so...
1: I wasn't a fan of the art in that whole issue. No, No, that was a a train wreck of epic proportions. That's where... (laughs) That's the only thing about a weekly series that has me worried. And uh, I was really hoping when issue one came out, they really toted, like, Tony S. Daniels is going to be our primary scribe. Are our primary penciler on the issues. And I really feel like he's only here for, like, here's issue one, and then here's issue six. Like, he's just doing the the bullet point uh, issues, or the the change of venue issues.
2: So, well, I won't mind that as much as long as he does the last issue. Because yes. one of the things that really annoyed me about Eternal was the first three issues were Jason Fabok, and they were yes. like, great. beautiful. And then the last issue was... Like I actually enjoyed bringing back artists. It's like a like a a curtain call for the artists. Like you yes. got David Lafuente and you got Tim Seeley and Ray Fox doing their own pages. But the main art being done by a completely different team. I, I really wanted Fabok to come back and do the last issue so we had a sense of visual continuity. And I'm hoping that they've promised that Daniel's going to do the last issue. And if that's the case, I'll probably forgive him for just doing three or four issues throughout the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, that was something that I would have I know fay on Justice League and his arts looking beautiful in Justice League like his art always looks, but I would have probably said to him we we need you to do the last issue to tie this tie us all together
2: yeah really I mean it's a it was a big selling book it was selling like forty thousand copies give the primary artist the last book,
1: yeah um I don't have much else to say on this particular issue unless uh, anybody else does. We can – not that I want to speed right through all these, but I I really felt like 8 was just the, oh, we're going here. Jason and Tim are going to a church to go track down a guy. We found our guy. Uh, Harper and uh, Cassandra and Dick have had their fight. Um, It was interesting, though, the part I did like is Mother uh, telling Dick – you know, if you come with me, I can tell you who, that's something I wanted to ask. Who is the Robin? Who do you think the Robin yeah. is that Mother created? Uh, Dick had that opportunity of a mother saying, if you follow me, I'll, I'll tell you who that Robin is, or you can go help your girls that are probably already dead.
2: Well, I think it's clear that Harper was affected in some way by Mother. Um, I, re- I mean, it's funny because all the backstories of the characters are so set in New 52 at this point It's definitely not Dick and it's definitely not Damien I could see Jason and Tim and they're sort of just playing the audience as to who it's going to turn out to be Luke? Uh,
3: I I don't think it's Jason because I think a lot of his origin if you would goes with uh, Raish and Talia, and if right. you really want to go with that route, Joker, Tim, I, I I hate to say it, he might be the one. I, I don't know.
2: I mean, well, there was that thing in issue five where his parents said he just showed up. Yeah. Right.
1: So that has me wondering too. And Tim's origin is loose. it's loose at best. Yeah, it's loosed and the most convoluted out of the whole, mm-hmm. whole entire deal. So I don't know if this is their way of. Scrubbing and trying to give a better origin for Tim in this, so uh, the odds are money for me. As much as I hate to say it, <laughs> is probably is probably Tim. So and that we know that Tim was adopted by uh, Bruce. Mm-hmm. So um, and that may give credence to why Damien really dislikes Tim at the same time. So. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. So, yeah, that I'm, I'm glad I thought of that. Uh, um, and I, I'm su- I'm not surprised. Knowing Dick's character, knowing that Harper and Cassandra are in the middle of a fight, it, I wasn't surprised to see him um, make that choice. I think if that was Bruce standing there, he would have... You think he would have found out whatever it was that he needed to know it and know in the back of his mind? I've trained my partners well enough they can handle their own they don't need me to come in and save them
3: no I think it's that's pretty accurate
1: I mean yeah alright cool well uh, let's jump right in to Batman and Robin Eternal number nine (laughs) Um, I I, Ian I know that uh, well we'll just start with you I know that uh, this was probably not your favorite of the four books Um, I enjoyed a nine and ten uh, very much so I'm sure our opinions will kind of go back and forth a little bit uh, what were your initial uh, impressions for those that uh, maybe have not read your review, at, review yet over at the Batman Universe well I mean
2: it's nice seeing uh, Roge Antonio uh, these two issues have probably been the most consistent of a two issue arc of any of them because Antonio doesn't have any fill-in artists doing specific pages I think he just worked with someone Uh, for, like, finishers um, in the second issue. So everyone's faces and body type stays really consistent, and that's nice, even if Jason's mask is dumb. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, There's a nice setup of Tim and Jason with the plane crash at the beginning, but when they meet Bane, I'm just utterly uninterested in these characters meet and must fight. There just doesn't seem to be a real motivation for the fight or a real character development in the fight. They fight, and then they decide, oh, they're done, we're going to work together. It just felt really static. There wasn't a point to it. And then, of course, there's a the conversation between Dick and Harper, where Harper's like, I'm better than Dick, Tim, Jason. Yeah. It's
1: all me. Uh, Luke, what did you think about Nine?
3: I really enjoyed Nine. The only thing it really... Kind of rubbed me the wrong way is the Jason mask. It looked like you know, Jim Carrey's mask and the
1: mask. <laughs> yeah,
3: it, it looked exactly like that. Um, yeah, I love the interaction between Jason and Tim. Just their dialogue throughout the fight with Bane. I liked the little throwback when you know, Jason was like, "Yeah, he we uh, we he owes me a rematch from last time." Obviously, so that's a reference to the the very end of Eternal. Um, they yeah, cause they they fought each other at the very yep. end. Um, the best thing about it was, not really, maybe not the best, but uh, it's like how Asriel was really set up because it was like you knew it was going to be Asriel. You you'd had to see it coming, but it was really executed really well. I loved the tie in with the Saint Dumas on uh, Santa Prisca and how it all kind of kind of led the way to the big Asriel review at the end. and I thought that was really, really well done and uh, it, it was enjoyable. And of course, I like if we had that shark repellent reference in
1: there. <laughs> yeah, which is really cool, and I liked seeing it again in 10. Yeah, and in, shark I repellent
2: like, was really good.
1: Okay. Yeah, and it's like, in case you missed the reference to the shark repellent, we're going to show you Jason pulling it out of Tim's utility belt. Like, ta-da, here it is. <laughs> so that was like, ah, uh, Batman 66. That's such a, such mm. a great nod. Um, I, I did like it. Uh... I'm I'm on both sides, uh, from really liking it and the fight seeming. I don't think there needed to be the fight between uh, the with the three of them. I think they could have stumbled on Bane and said said everything they needed to say without there being the fight. It just kind of seemed like you said, Ian hey, we're gonna fight," and then the fight's over, and hey, we need to work together. Oh, okay. Um, it was interesting seeing uh, Tim with a gun pointing it at. Okay uh bane and there's that part of me going oh would tim have fired the gun uh being he's a brainwashed
2: agent of mother he would
1: yeah (laughs) and seeing that part of like oh is tim gonna snap here and is jason gonna have to be like oh crap now i gotta fight bane and and tim both so i thought that was a little jarring but uh uh, it was kind of cool to see tim get the upper hand of like you know we can do this the hard way we can punch each other or we can work on the bigger threat that that's in your homeland almost like the two of us can go and you can deal with what is about to happen so bane has that you know come to come to the robins moment if you, if you will like okay okay um in this as i'm losing my train of thought here uh we see uh some more uh pages with bruce and uh, dick in Prague. uh this had me wondering uh, in this of is bruce looking for a wife is he looking for a robin it, does mother know is this a way of uh by Bruce saying that he's looking for a wife or looking for something is that him not wanting to say okay it's not working out with Dick I I need somebody else because I think it's in 10 where um, he does make a reference to it being a wife there they kind of allude in 9 that it is that mother's like you need a new partner or, or, or something like that am, am I getting those two messed up well I think I personally think that
2: You know, way back in issue one, when you see Batman with the gun, I think we're seeing the setup for that scene here. But I think, I mean, there's no way that DC will ever let Batman actually kill someone, let alone with a gun. Right. And so I think that that indicates that he's playing Mother. Like, he's playing Mother really hard. He's he's damaging his relationship with Dick to do it. But I think there's really no way that Bruce actually wants to create a Robin with Mother's Techniques.
1: And I would think that would go against everything that Batman would be. Uh, Even initially with uh, Dick, just even using the New 52 since this is the universe we're living in, he didn't even want Dick coming out in the first place. It was like, okay, fine, you're here, you're in the Batcave, but you're going to be on monitor duty, that's all you're ever going to do. And to... I, I I think it's him playing possum with mother, like, yeah, I, I want a wife, or yes, I want a partner. It's the only way that I can weasel myself into your organization to find out the thing that you're doing. And if he has to resort to making it looking like he's going to use a gun to do so, I don't think that's above Bruce. Doing whatever it takes to get the end result, but not crossing the line. But not wanting to, if it's not working out with Dick, I don't think he's just going to go out and go, you know what? Give me somebody else. I think he would have severed the tie and been like, you're done. I'm not taking another partner, no matter what. So uh, I'm hey, just.
3: You know, you know, it's theatricality and deception are powerful.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I set you up very beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> um,. I think it's kind of funny, just on a on an artist note, uh, that after Jason has his uh, red hood helmet destroyed, he's still wearing a mask underneath uh, yeah. the helmet. Um, he, that, he carries a spare. Yeah, carries a spare. You never know. Yeah. And it it's kind of cool that uh, he and Tim are both wearing red masks, and they both look the same. I was wanting to take that as like, okay, the artist doesn't know how to draw, you know. Two people that are approximately the same age, both wearing red masks and both having dark hair, and both having short dark hair, different from another. But I like it, on the other hand, of going, they're the same. They were they were both once Robin. They're in this mission together. And uh, just aesthetically, they're both on the same playing field. It's not like, I'm greater than you. You're better than me. They both know their... Uh, strength, strength and weaknesses, and I think they're in 9 and 10 both, those really uh, come through, even to a point where they switch roles in 10, and Tim's doing the fighting, and uh, Jason is doing the computer hacking, which I thought was w- w- was an odd choice, and even Jason makes uh, a mention of that, like, it, it, should I be the one <laughs> doing this? So I, I like that they... Uh, Tinian and the writers had a the foresight to be able to say all the robins are are gifted at doing you know maybe they're quote unquote one thing but they can flip and do something else and they're greater than what they are pigeonholed uh, to be so maybe I'm reading into that but I I liked it I liked nine for that just kind of seeing uh, the development of tim i feel like it's taken what five years for tim drake to start acting and sounding like the tim drake that we all remember and i feel like it that was done in these two issues uh, what'd you guys think
3: yeah go ahead man i'm
2: sorry i think that um number 10 is is really a nice balance i think that i like the explanation that tim wants to fight because he's mad at jason for wrecking his plane <laughs> Um, and it also puts him in the position at the end to to get rescued by Jason which I think was a really nice moment like I really think that the bonding between these two um, was, was really strong this issue and it's funny Dustin over at Batman Universe commented that he would really love to see uh, Tim Drake um, series written by um, Lansing and Kelly and oh, I think yeah. that would be pretty great
1: I think it'd be cool just to have uh, Jason in there with them. Um, it I don't know if it was over at the Batman universe or if it was somebody uh, on the Facebook page that had said uh, throw Tim and Jason together and call the series Red. And uh, I thought it'd be even cooler to throw Arsenal in it if he was called you know still Red Hood. You would have Red Robin, Red Hood, and uh, Red Arrow. Uh, oh, you know, altogether Red Hood. I mean, a Red Hero. Um, yeah, I, I I like all of that. That I think that's really cool. Uh, the reveal of Asriel. Um, what did you guys think of his updated look? I know we all saw it coming. Um, did you think at the end of uh, Issue 9 that it was Jean-Paul?
2: Yeah, because his name was on the list in Issue Oh, that's right, that's what? right.
1: Well, then that shoots that right out of the water there. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, I love his look here. It looks very much uh, like I'd hoped he was going to look with a, with an updated uh, look here, and it made me uh, very eager to read uh, issue 10. Um, a beat that I skipped over that um, I liked out of the very first panel is when they're having to exit uh, the plane, and uh, Jason stole one of Bruce's capes okay. to glide and uh, Jason's comment, like, and Batman just gave it to you. Don't be dumb, Tim. I stole this. <laughs> I thought that was a a, a cool little beat. Uh, do you guys have anything to say about issue 9 before we uh, jump into issue 10 here?
2: Cool. The dialogue between Tim and Jason, as much as 9 wasn't my favorite, the dialogue was spot on when Tim and Jason were the, the focus.
1: Yeah, uh, Definitely. Uh, this was something I was really looking uh, forward to out of the series. And I think initially uh, they touted this, unless they're going to go by the wayside as the series goes on. But I got the sense from the solicitations early on that the Eternal st- Batman Robin Eternal story was basically going to be Dick, Harper, Cassandra, and then kind of everybody else. And I like and hear that the main core of the Bat family is still a very much – uh, strong presence. I don't know if they'll slowly not get written out, but the shift's going to focus on somebody else. But they're they're setting up a good dynamic between uh, Tim and Jason. I don't I don't want to see that end. Uh, issue ten. Um, this was by far my favorite of the four books. Um, I, I want to jump right into uh, this topic if you guys are okay with it. Um, Jean Paul, knowing that in the new 52 I believe it's been uh, stated that uh, Bruce has had his back broken by Bane um, so gone is the Jean-Paul taking over for Batman and Tim training him because we're getting the first uh, meeting of uh, Jean-Paul Valley uh, right here as Azrael. so how do you guys think they're going to handle uh, Jean-Paul Asriel moving forward and kind of you almost have to read this and kind of forget all continuity at this point because, you know, it's really kind of funny. Uh, Terrence and I are over on Robin and Everyone Loves the Drake, and we're doing the training of uh, Jean-Paul with Tim Drake. So in the back of my mind, I'm reading this going, well, Tim and Jean-Paul already have a connection, but I'm going to, wait a minute, different continuity. So how do you guys feel about uh, – finally seeing Jean-Paul and having an Asriel back in uh, Batman uh, universe again and it being Jean-Paul. Ian? Well,
2: I have to admit, I have not read Nightfall and I don't really have a connection to Asriel. I think this is a brilliant idea um, because of his original backstory as a brainwashed person from the Order of Saint-Dumas to have Order saint order Jean-Paul from Mother I think is a really good connection. Um, and I think that the way he messes with Tim and Bane's minds, and then Tim manages to get him to... At least, it's implied. He's reconsidering his own origins because he sees his name and he sees the file on him. Um, I think that's really good.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke?
2: I'll be honest, I'm totally
3: lost. I mean, I, I think they really can go because you hit it dead on I mean if you're really going to take you know the old 52 continuity into it kind of take into account yeah, what's he done so he literally this is a fresh you know introduction of uh, Jean Paul to everybody so now I mean what, what do you do so I think you literally just start start fresh in totally different direction and kind of go from there because yeah I don't know
1: do you think that's a hiccup that longtime comic book fans have of the constant, you know, we're going to let a universe go for 10, 20 years, we'll tear it back down, build it back up again, where you have a character like Jean-Paul that, that has, you know, 20 years of history or maybe uh, 15 or so uh, years of history that has now completely been thrown out where – other chunks of batman's universe is still in continuity from Mm. old but other parts aren't um i can see why some people do get upset and go you know i love this character you got rid of it and now you're coming back with them again but now they're completely different and they're only that character by name only because you've scrubbed their continuity or do you think that's just a byproduct like you've got to take the continuity hat off and leave it at the door and read the story for what it is how do you guys feel about this, stuff this like that
3: the, this only happens with batman
1: for the most part
3: only because for the most part he's been relatively untouched yeah as far as his continuity goes and not only that some of the stuff is so prominent and like i mean i know you didn't say i know you say you didn't read nightfall but a lot of people have Red Nightfall and it's a it's, it's a big story and Azrael obviously played a huge huge part in it so when you go ahead and you totally just retcon that 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 kind of touches people I mean a little bit differently like, like if you do that with Spider-Man like yeah well you rebooted Spider-Man how many times you know I mean right it's like I said, it just, It's just this is just because it's Batman and alone mainly because it's just been untouched for so long, and the people are so prominent, and the stories are so good, and you kind of tinker with that, you might strike a nerve with some folks.
1: Cool. Uh, any thoughts on that at all, Ian?
2: I think.
1: I mean, we've seen this
2: throughout. It's. It all depends on the writer. If you've got a writer like Tim Seeley, Scott, uh, or um, Tom King, they're going to reference continuity. If you got a writer like uh, Scott Snyder, he's going to create his own continuity. Um, and... Heinen, who's running the show, sort of is a blend between. He likes to reference preview continuity. He's the one who had Stephanie Brown and Tim Drake meet in issue 52. Right. So he's going to reference that continuity and set things up, but he's also going to create new things, like um, he's going to have Harper Rowe be a big part of the series. And so, I, I mean, my continuity that I'm really connected to was just before the New 52 hit, and that's the kind of continuity that is both most likely to be referenced and also most likely to be changed. I think. Um, I'm actually surprised that we got Azrael, even though I think it's a good choice, because he didn't have a lot of activity in the DCU just before New 52.
1: It was uh, Michael Lane, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the Azrael for those of you that are uh, playing the Batman Arkham Knight video game. He is the Azrael that is in that so um, I, I was surprised. I wasn't surprised that we were getting Asriel. It wasn't until 8... Well, in, in issue one, we saw that it was going to be Jean-Paul. But kind of in the back of my mind, I wasn't totally... I thought maybe Jean-Paul was going to be a name for the fans. Like, oh, Jean-Paul was uh, a, an orphan of mother or, or, or a child of mother. That the Asriel we were going to get was going to be Michael Lane. Because of Cassandra Kane and... Like you said, it's more, that was going to be more the prevalent continuity that people would generally know. But once we saw Santa Prista and all that stuff and the Order of Saint Dumas and everything, kind of felt like it had that Nightfall esque feel with, you know, Bane, especially with Bane being here. I was like, it's it's got to be Jean Paul. There was part of me that was still on the fence, even though his name was there in, in the first issue. I was still not totally. Um, Sure, which Azrael we were going to get. Um, I I love uh, in this issue the and we've talked about it before, but the the buddy team up of Dick or not excuse me Dick uh, but uh, Jason and Tim um, uh, the scene I don't know what uh, page this says page four of them repelling up into the uh, tower. In um, just a series of, you know, uh, four panels. Uh, nothing much is going on there, but I just like the silhouette shot of them using their grapnel guns and, you know, zipping up to the top. Uh, nothing much is happening there, but it's just the two of them working side by side and them coming into the temple. Um, I just, I like the exchange they have here. And, it, Tim is very much kind of like in the know of what's going on. And Jason's kind of like flying by the seat of his pants a little bit, like, okay, knows he's here for the hired gun. And then when things uh, start to go on, it's uh, <laughs> like I said, uh, Jason is the one operating the uh, computer control. So I, I thought that was uh, really pretty cool. Um, with uh, the flashback in the Batcave of Batman and Robin, uh, I was trying to figure out uh, the. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. With uh, Dick getting hurt, was was this just a reference off off panel that he was out there uh, doing some detective work and got hurt in the field, or I was trying to go back through the issues and find out? Uh, did we see Dick get hurt in this?
3: Hmm. I- That's no. I don't think it was referenced. I think it's.
1: This is just something that uh, was happening in in Bruce. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's what I was talking about. I wish we'd
2: seen more of Dick's side of the flashbacks.
3: I think that's when he was in the. That that would imply something happened in the actual movie theater, the the play theater,
1: right? Oh no, this is uh, Dick as Robin, and yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, because remember they were in Prague. That's when he went to go talk to the oh, mother first yeah. time he left in the – I right. just assume
1: all this happened. Okay, yeah. Um, the exchange that they have here, um, this had me wondering, um, is this the first signs of the end of their partnership uh, right here? And it's funny that – Dick is hurt in this for going out and you know doing something and Bruce is coming down the stairs in the Batcave and he is clearly hurt and bleeding and they make a point of showing that both of them are not quite using their heads right now at the moment where uh, Dick is still I think under the influence of the fear toxin he's trying to overcompensate for having been afraid that he's allowing himself to get hurt and be careless and that Bruce is trying to uh, deal with mother that he is allowing himself to be careless and get hurt. So I like how that uh, was kind of parallel between the two. And then uh, Dick having his blow up and uh, saying, you know, I'm not your employee. I'm not your son. I'm your partner. And if we're not willing to admit that, then maybe we're done. So um, is this like the first chink in the armor for uh, Batman and Robin and maybe – what will lead to their separation, you think?
3: Oh, yeah, because, I mean, and I say this, I don't want to sound arrogant at all, but for those who don't know, I when mean, they broke up, when Tim, or when not when Tim, when Dick went to the Teen Titans, it really wasn't on the best terms. So this, this, kinda, is... this really kind of, like you said, put that first kink of the armor into it, you know, that, that they're not always buddy-buddy, you
2: know. I agree that we're going to end the flashbacks with Bruce and Tim on some odds, because, I mean, as we know from the, the eight-page preview on Batman Day, um, Batman ends this whole thing by hiding. He, he. Um, I mean, we know they got back from Prague, alright. We know that Batman's been hiding something from Dick, but we know that Dick's back being Robin, and he's saying, Batman and Robin forever, rah-rah. Yeah. So, I think we're definitely going to see tension, but we're definitely not going to see Dick leave and become Nightwing in Batman and Robin Maternal.
1: I was wondering if we would, if this was going to end with him leaving and becoming Nightwing.
2: Oh, no.
3: I think – spoiling I think that's going to happen in the Robin War thing. That's a totally different discussion.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like it's him. just that this is so early in Dick's career as Robin. Yeah. I mean Dick was at least a year as Robin, I think. And so this is just, a, like, a couple months. All
1: right, maybe that's just wishful thinking, being a <laughs> uh, the, a, a Nightwing fan here. Oh, um, what do you think Tim saw um, <laughs> in his uh, St. Dumas state here? Uh, I love that. I, I thought... This is <laughs> Terrence always pokes fun at me. If I could have a poster, I don't know if I would hang this as a poster <laughs> on my wall, because my wife might look at it and go, "That's trippy," uh, seeing like the flesh being torn off of uh, Tim's face and uh, just all the you know mystic and you know, like r- religious symbol symbols floating around in there. But the line he has just above the bat or the uh, shark repellent, <laughs> bat, shark repellent, where he says, no, Bruce, um, that just had me going, well, what did he see? Or is this giving more credence to he is an orphan of mother?
2: I think it could go either way. I mean, obviously, this is to propel us into the next issue. Um, I'm trying to see what's the solicit for next issue. I guess we don't have an individual one.
1: No, because they do that really coy thing. Of oh, write, I hate it so they, much. They write, they write the exact same solicit all four times <laughs> and just show you the cover. <laughs> I
2: hate it so much. so lazy.
1: Yeah, so lazy, but at the same time, I understand why they're doing it. With having a weekly book, if you gave a solicit of that issue, you spoil the issues you know, below it by the time you get to the fourth one for the month. Oh, I understand. I'm just yeah. Wondering. Oh no, yeah. I, I hate it for not for not wanting to, to know. Um, yeah, I, I liked this. Um, I thought this was a really really solid issue. Um, I liked the little lesson that uh, Dick kind of teaches Harper that sometimes you got to use your brain. It can't be all about you know brawn. And, um, and she says something like, uh, "Don't beat yourself up, old man Grayson. At least we've grown to follow a trail." So she's picking up on more of the detective side. So I, I like seeing Dick as a, as a mentor to the uh, Robins or would-be Robins. Uh, the final uh, reveal here of the sculptor, I know everything about you, sweet runaway girl. So uh, any takeaways from uh, the final panel in Batman and Robin Eternal number 10? Uh, Ian. Ian.
2: I, I mean, we know from the preview that the sculptor is working against mother. At least says she's working against mother. Right. Um, I, I mean, the thing is, we don't know anything about Harper's mother except that Harper says she's dead. We know her father is this criminal in Blackgate, but we don't know anything about the mother. So it could be that her mother wasn't the person she thought was her mother wasn't even her
1: mother. Is mother her mother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what was ladies <laughs> do. Right, right, right. Um I thought I had something intelligent to say and I'm sitting here putting my uh books back in. I wanted to talk about the covers really quick. Um, Each of the covers, I was kind of worried uh, with issues 7 and 9. I love looking at the covers, but I started going 7 and 9. Sorry, 7 and 8. I'm like, we're getting kind of lazy with the cover. Um, I really don't like the cover on 7 with this red background and the monochrome of the three. And then uh, just 8 just really bothers me. Uh, Batman uh, holding on to a knife and mother, and then just like sketch drawings of chairs I'm like are we really phoning in the covers here uh, and then I feel like uh, nine and, and ten uh, I love nine I mean obviously being a, a Tim Drake fan <laughs> I love that cover but it just looks so so good and uh, a 10 as well uh, what do you guys think of the covers I know it's something that terrence always likes to talk about
3: no I, I felt the same thing about seven and eight yeah nine and ten are just really nice to look at 10 well it might be a little bit misleading is just really has a real dark tone to it and it's it's really well it's ex- executed I and mean, we I mean, get even detail on the skulls. I, mean, I like that when you like you get like a color, or, like a cover, you know, and like when you pay attention like those little details. That that stuff really matters to me, you know. I mean, not just the overall. Like you get like the overall execution on number nine. It's all blamming your face, and that's really well and good. But if you look at like just little details on stuff like the skulls, like that, and a little mist, you know, that, that that stuff really it matters and it shows a you know cover artist who's really. I don't want to say got some dedication to their craft, but just really wants to take the extra effort. Because right off the bat, you see something like that, it just gets, gets you right in a good mood. You're going right into it. If you get like a bland cover, you're kind of like going into it, kind of hesitant, a little bit. Like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. But if you get a good cover, it just just really just gets you right off in a good start.
1: Do you? I took a film and theater, a film society class, where uh, my professor was like, "You're going to." By the time we're done with this uh, course, you're never going to look at a movie the same way twice, and you're going to hate me every mm-hmm. time you watch a movie because you're going to be going, okay, that door is not only a door, it's representing something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at 10 here, and seeing Batman standing and leaning on the skulls of people that have died before him, is that like these are the people in Batman's war that – have died passed on the the amount of robins he's going through or just all those people that are falling by the wayside as he is going on his crusade as it were and i'm kind of looking at the blood here and i'm just hearing my professor giggling mm. hysterically like look what i've done to you so i'm always looking at i think that's why seeing a very bland cover just always bothers me but like you said luke i'm just looking at this cover and and trying to not purposely read in but going what is the artist saying about the cover what is it saying about this issue um uh ian what do you what do you think about the covers and especially 10
2: well honestly uh my favorite covers of this this month are going to be number seven and number nine i agree okay number eight was kind of dull and i didn't like i mean there's a real I like the stylishness with which Martinez drew Mother inside of Seven and Eight. She looked really sharp and scary, and she looks kind of like a stereotypical evil crone on Number Eight's cover. I I like the the really stylized, nice and everyone dodging on Number yes. Seven. I thought that was really kinetic and very action oriented. Um, and to me. Because I like those characters, I think I was more drawn in. And number nine was just, as uh, Luke said, was just bursting out at you. That's just a really nice cover. Ten's very intelligent. Like I I totally agree with everything your professor taught you about that kind of symbolism and all the the emotional impact it has on you. Uh, I'm not a morbid kind of guy. I don't really... I tend to shy away from that kind of imagery. So it didn't work for me, but it's definitely intelligent. I'll tell you that.
1: Nice. Uh, that brings us to the end of this particular podcast, and that'll do it for us. Well, hold on just a second. we do
2: have two questions on the Facebook page. You want to look at that? Yes,
1: let's do that. Uh, Since you got it up here, and I've skipped over the last time I told people, hey, get your questions in here. We'll read them. And look what I did. I tried to run over. So, Ian, run those down. I I shut down my iPad. (laughs) So,
2: Jared said, how do you guys feel about the whole Agent Grayson thing? Do you guys want Nightwing back, are you digging this whole Richard Bond stuff? Hey,
3: I think it's, it's. I think it's a, yeah Nightwing I think it's inevitable I mean oh yeah he's coming back oh yeah I mean the story is so good on Grayson but I think it's it's just something I don't want to say and this is going to sound so harsh and I don't mean it to but I think it does have a shelf life on it because sooner or later like I said before it's you can only hide use this persona without it just being blatantly honest that it's Dick Grayson everyone's going to know it's Grayson so I mean
2: well, and now that everyone does know as Grayson, it's clear he's making connections. I mean, he was in Starfire, he's in, uh, Batgirl, he's in Robin Eternal, he's in Robin War. I think it's pretty clear. He's coming back at some point. I think it's just a question of how and how will they, they wrap up Grayson into a new Nightwing series. And I think that's exciting because Grayson has been really solid and complicated, but it's, it is a story. I mean, you could tell stories in that universe forever. But I think from the beginning, they had this goal in mind, and they're
1: working on that. Would you like to see um, the Grayson team continue to write Nightwing? Yes, absolutely.
2: I'd love to see Seeley continue, because I really enjoy his stuff. King is just such a deep writer. I kind of want him to get something really big, like a book... Honestly, I kind of want him to take Batman for a bit, or maybe Detective Comics, like so he can really get exposure and build, be built up. Ooh,
3: that's that's bold, <laughs> Tomasi, That's
1: bold. Yeah. Um, well, it's not like Tomasi's hurting. For
3: no, me. I'm, I'm not. I'm, not I'm, I'm, I'm just joking.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Tomasi's writing uh, all of the offshoots in the Arkham series. If nobody's reading the Arkham uh, books, uh, they're great. Um, I love reading Tomasi in those books. Um, so, I just, I'm going to throw that out there. Um, the next question, as I'm looking at it here, it says, uh, how do you guys, uh, how do you think the tie in of the Court of the Alice story and the current uh, the Robin War books, what do you guys uh, think of the tie ins?
2: I think the answer is it won't.
1: Yeah. Um, but this is kind of like the uh, precedent or the mandate that they put in the DCYOU that. Uh, continuity is not really something that they're holding on to. There's a core set of books that are keeping to continuity, but we could have all of these characters be in 12 different places at 12 different times, telling 12 different stories, and nothing is really going to bleed into unless they say, okay, from this point on, Dick Grayson is Nightwing, and then uh, that goes out from there. Uh, something well, to... you, had, you had that happen in the first Eternal. You had Eternal yep. going on,
2: and Endgame was being published at the same time, but Endgame clearly happened after everything that happened in Eternal. Whereas something like Batgirl, you know, the whole move to Burnside happened in the middle of Eternal, and so she changes her uniform. So the relationship to continuity is always going to be right. weird. I think Robin War will be referenced because Damien's coming back, and Robin War is the reason he came back. But I don't think we're going to see Court of Owls. Uh, I think no. they already played with that in the first Eternal, and I just don't see that happening.
1: No, that that would upset me to have two Eternal stories, and then dun dun dun. It's still the Court of the Owls. I don't I, I don't want that. As like it would make you wonder what is Batman doing? <laughs> Why is he let these guys stay around <laughs> constantly? I do want to reference the Robin War uh, just briefly, since we were talking about you know Dick Grayson coming back as Nightwing. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher the quote or whatever, but I'll paraphrase it. It said, uh, the night or Nightwing will return. Do you actually think it's going to be Dick Grayson coming back as Nightwing, or do you think somebody else will pick up the mantle of Nightwing? Mm. Can it be Stephanie Brown? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to say for every question. <laughs> there you go. Who do you think is faster, The Flash or Superman? Stephanie, Stephanie Brown. Brown.
2: <laughs> Who's going to be the next Batman? Stephanie Brown. <laughs>
1: I would hope that it's uh, Dick Grayson uh, coming back. Like you said, I think there's a shelf life on the story and I'm a big James Bond fan and I've I've said before it took me a while to warm up to the Grayson story just because I, I was a fan of Nightwing. It was like, "Oh, we got to go changing somebody's character." Um, I want to know how you get Dick back into being Nightwing and somebody not going, "Well, hey, aren't you Dick Grayson or Is it kind of like the Marvel approach to secret identities? Like, hey, that's Dick Grayson. He's Nightwing. Do you think they go that route?
2: Well, I mean, Stephanie Brown in issue two of Eternal said, hey, you're Dick Grayson. You're Nightwing. So, like, everybody knows. But I really hope they don't do what Marvel did in the comics and have, like, magical mind wipe of the entire world. That was
1: stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Mother's last act will be to mind-wipe everybody with the help no. of the Order of St. Dumas. If that happens, no. a million Bat fans are going to go, it's that guy on that podcast. He's the one that said it, and the writers were like, hey, this Rob Myers guy, he had a cool idea. No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don't do it, writers. Don't do it.
1: Uh, I was uh, scrolling back through the rest of the Facebook page here just to kind of see um, – if there was anything else with having you know four issues uh, basically a month has gone by um, kind of looking here uh, Rogue Dax has written in a couple times so or Dex uh, thank you very much it says mother and orphan are interesting characters. Wonder who else she has messed with in the DC um, do you think this is just relegated to uh, the Batman universe or uh, has she messed with other people maybe like Kyle Rayner?
3: I don't know. I'm trying to think. Hmm. Yeah, I, I really don't know.
1: Uh, he's got another... Uh, Ashley Crook here says, Issue 9 had plenty of Tim and Jason. I'm so looking forward to it. And uh, Rogue had uh, one last thing to say is, I like Mother as she has some serious potential if writers continue to do her right. Do you think Mother uh, will have a longer shelf life in uh, the Batman universe after this story? Um, I, I'm liking uh the character of mother i think she's something new and different um i think it's really hard with 75 years history of robin and batman uh to come up with new villains for them to fight all the time and uh there's a lot of throwaway villains but i kind of feel like batman has a lot of villains that have stood the test of time that you know I kind of felt like when they were getting created, like right around nightfall, you had Zaz coming, you had you had, you had coming out, you had the ventriloquist, you had all these different villains. Had Bane, I mean, it, that was had, the big thing. Yeah, you had Bane coming out, and look how long Bane's lasted. So, I feel pretty good that we're going to get some a longevity out of Mother, uh, like Rogue said, if uh, if she's written well and the the fans take to her. What's your uh and take on mother and i know we're only to 10 issues but uh what do you think
0: i
3: i don't know i mean it's just the way just her the whole human trafficking clone thing i i don't know if that could be just a continuous i think you would have to definitely evolve her yeah yeah, you know I mean, I just can't be her sole thing. I'm just gonna create people. And
2: yeah, I mean, the fundamental thing is we really need to know what her her goal is. I mean, if she's just someone who's out for money for selling people, that's not interesting. She doesn't yeah. represent anything like the Joker represents chaos, or the Riddler represents self defeat, or Catwoman represents the allure of acting without the rules, or. You know, all these villains represent something psychological or sociological. Mother's just like a bog standard human trafficker at this point. I think, like the idea of a mother, I think they do want to do something like that with her. We just haven't seen it yet.
1: Well, now I think I can say we've come to the end of uh, this podcast. I want to thank uh, Ian and Luke for joining us on this. Um, do you guys have any big uh, Christmas plans Or any uh, Batman Or holiday plans as it were uh, Maybe Batman related or just something You're kind of looking forward to over the holiday season
3: I know when I go home to, to Pittsburgh I go to my hometown And they got their Collection of like uh, uh, Back issues Or just you can just be in there For like days and just not Go through every one of them so I'm really looking forward To just get home and you get some of the old Batman pre New 52 issues, and always always come away with some good stuff when I go
1: home for the holidays. So cool. Forward to that, uh, Ian. Well, you know,
2: I've been waiting since August for the Stephanie Brown Batgirl team up in Batgirl number 46. They've delayed it from November <laughs> to this this week, so that's what I'm going to be doing on Wednesday.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Um, I am going to be doing a lot of those same things celebrating with the family um i am knee deep in podcasts right now not only doing this one uh but terrence and i and a friend of mine are going to be co-partnering with the comic podcast and doing our take on the other books in the robin war series so the books that jella jella jeez Stella, Joe, and Dustin aren't reviewing, we're going to be taking uh, care of those, plus talking about uh, the main books as well. And then... Uh, doing a, a New Year's Eve show with Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. So, um, it's full speed ahead <laughs> for me. So I'll be glad when the clock strikes 12 on the 31st, I can go, ah, podcast can <laughs> take a back seat for a little bit. Uh, thanks for tuning in to episode three of Batman and Robin Eternal podcast. Uh, we will see you guys in 2016. And, uh, there's a lot to be excited for in 2016. Uh, it'll be superhero movie season like All Get Out and there'll be this little DC movie that's gonna come out in 2016 with uh, Batman and some guy that can fly so. What? Yeah. some girl with a shield but, yeah I know it's it's, it's crazy uh, we will see uh, everybody in January of 2016 and uh, make sure you check out the batmanuniverse.net your home for all things Batman and Robin uh, this is December it's officially the end of the 75th anniversary of Robin uh, DC is going out with all guns blazing celebrating all of the Robins so I think that's really cool we can end the year with some really great Robin stories uh, keep the conversation going on the facebook page at www.facebook.com slash batman and robin eternal on the behalf of ian and luke this is rob signing off saying we'll see you guys in 2016 take care Thanks for listening to Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. This show is part of the Batman Universe specials and has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman. The thoughts and opinions are the thoughts and opinions of the three knuckleheads that are talking. What could they possibly know? They read comics for crying out loud. Batman and all related characters are under the copyright of DC Comics. All music and sound clips are under their respective copyright holders as well. And are used for illustrative purposes. So no lawyers need to get involved as the show makes no money. Zero. Zilch. Nada. So no infringement is intended. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by going through our Facebook page. www.facebook.com slash Batman and Robin Eternal. Or in the search, you can type in Batman and Robin Eternal Podcast. And that will lead you directly to us. You can also leave a message over at the Batman Universe.net as the Batman Universe hosts this show, so I definitely suggest to go over there and peruse everything that the Batman Universe has to offer. You can leave a comment into the current episodes in the comment section. Or you can email me directly, Rob at r10myers at yahoo.com. That's r 10 myers at yahoo.com and title the message Batman and Robin Eternal and I or Terrence or Luke will read your email in the show thanks for listening to the Batman Universe specials production of Batman and Robin Eternal podcast we will see you soon take care